You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Everybody, welcome to church. It's so good to have you with us in the house of God. You have made a good decision at the start of your week to plant yourself here. And remember, when we make space, God comes and he fills and does what only he can do. So well done. Good decision. So for those of you who don't know, my name's Colleen and I'm the kids pastor. And I just wanted to share for a couple of minutes just a little bit of an update about Hero Factory. I was meant to do it a few weeks ago, but had sick children, so couldn't be here. Um, But in Hero Factory, we've taken um, a lot of new changes happening across all of our locations. You know, the vision of Hero Factory is to empower your children to make a difference in their world for Jesus, which is exactly the same as the vision that we've been called to here as a church. And what we found was is that we were struggling to fit in everything that we wanted to do in one week, that we felt like we weren't really doing anything well. We wanted to do discussions and worksheets and snack because every child needs a snack. We wanted free play. We wanted games. We wanted prizes and we couldn't do it. So starting last week, we are now doing one theme across two weeks. On the first week, we're going to be having Hero Factory Kids Church where your kids will come in. They'll get to get involved in loads of games. They'll win prizes. We've got points. We'll be doing worship, offering, and we'll have a preach and a response time. And then the second week, which is this week, we're going to be having our Hero Factory life groups. So the children are going to be heading into their life groups, and they're going to be digging deeper into the Word of God. They're going to be praying together. We're going to be journaling together. We're going to be reading our Bible together. We're going to be doing crafts and activities together. So please be praying for us. Um, please be praying for what is happening, praying for the team, praying for the kids. And, you know, sometimes I, I kind of felt this morning, especially as my child didn't want to be in worship this morning. I just wanted to encourage you, if you're a parent of a young child, being in worship is so difficult sometimes. But it's so important that your children are in an atmosphere of worship and they get to see you worshiping God. That's the reason why we are not taking away them being in here, because it's so important that they're in this atmosphere of worship. So even though it's difficult, we've got this. (laughs) We've got this. Even though Ezra at the back was like, come on, mommy. I was like, no, we're staying in. So it's such an exciting season in Hero Factory. So please be praying for us. So um, as it's Sunday morning and we're in church, I thought that we would start off with me telling you a little bit of a confession about myself. I mean... (laughs) It's not that bad, actually. (laughs) Um, I really, 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 really hate waiting. Honestly, I really hate waiting. I have no patience. If my husband was here, I imagine he would be on the front row like, yes, she has no patience. I have no patience. I am very much the kind of person who who decides they want to do something and has to do it straight away. A few months ago, I had a uh, uh, an idea of how I wanted to decorate our living room. I told Andrew about it and he said, let's just think about it. And before he'd even finished the conversation, I had my shoes on, was at B&M buying the paint and stayed up till 4 a.m. painting 
painting the living room. Um, I am not somebody who copes well when a job takes longer than it needs to. I hate waiting for holidays. I hate waiting for special occasions. I just have no patience and I hate waiting. And I think at some point, if we're being honest, the majority of us hate waiting. I can't be on my own. Anybody else hate waiting? About four people. Wow. The rest of you guys, I've got so much to learn from you. Now, I think God knew that waiting would be difficult because there is so many Bible verses in the Bible that talk about waiting. Here is just a few of them. Psalm 37 verse 7 says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way. Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits and in his word I have hope. Lamentations 3 verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. We are all at some point going to find ourselves in a season of waiting. It might be waiting for a prayer to be answered, waiting for the promise to be filled. It might be waiting for an operation. It might be waiting for a relationship, a spouse, a child. It might be waiting for a new job. It might be waiting for justice or for a word from God or for change in a situation that you are facing. At some point in our life, if we aren't already, we will find ourselves in a season of waiting. And the thing is, is we have this Bible and the Bible is filled with so many people who found themselves in a season of waiting. The truth is, is the Bible on a whole is about a group of people who spent their life waiting. In the book of Isaiah, we read this. In Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, given. the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this prophecy is given in the book of Isaiah that somebody is coming, this same Savior is coming. He is going to be a wonderful counselor. He is going to be everything that we needed. But before we got to that, we had to work our way through the rest of the Old Testament. We then get to the final book of the Old Testament, which is, I realize I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm not actually sure the right way to say it. Malachi, 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 <laughs> who knows, that one. We get to the end of the Old Testament and we get to the book of Malachi. And then we get to the New Testament and the first book of the Bible is, Matthew. the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. Matthew doesn't pick off, pick up where the Old Testament finished. There is a 400 year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Research shows that actually from the, the prophecy in Isaiah to to Jesus being born, it is said to have been 700 years. Church, if you are in a season of waiting, we are in good company because there are so many people within the Word of God who found themselves waiting. There are people in here who we can learn from, the mistakes that they made that we don't need to do, people who want to mentor us when we're in our season of waiting. You've got Abraham and Sarah who waited 25 years for a child. You've got David who waited 15 years to become king. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. And then we get to the New Testament and we see Mary, the mother of Jesus. She knew who her child was. She knew who he was going to be, but she had to wait for that to happen. Imagine the wait that she had to take. At some point, we will be in a season of waiting. And I don't know about you, but if you've 
ever been in a season of waiting, you will find yourself go through many emotions and feelings. At first, you will feel excited and energetic and ready to go and, and filled with so much joy and hope. But as time goes on, frustration builds and we start to get angry and we start to get annoyed and we start to ask ourselves the question of where is God? Why hasn't this happened? You know, like I said, the Bible is filled with so many people who we can learn from. So what I'd love to do in the next 20 minutes or so is for us to look at some people in the Bible and learn what and see what we can learn from them when it comes to waiting. Is that all right? Amazing. So first up, we are going to go right to the beginning of the Bible, to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah. So um, I'm going to briefly cover these people, and there is so much more to their lives. So I encourage you to dig deeper into the Word of God and to study these people um, for yourself. But you can read about Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 15 to 22. So Abraham and Sarah were really old. They loved God. They were faithful. They trusted in him, and they were really old, and they'd never been able to have children. And uh, God was talking to Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, um, this is God and Abraham. This is what it says. He, God, took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham and Sarah were already old. They had spent their whole life probably trying and longing for a child, but it probably got to a point where they thought that this is impossible now. And then God is saying to Abraham, look up. The amount of stars that you see will be your descendants and the offspring that you will have. Now in Genesis, in those chapters, you read how Abraham and Sarah deal with this and their response in this season of waiting. They waited 20 25 years to have a child. And I imagine that Sarah, you know, when she heard that prophecy from God, that promise from God, I imagine for the first time in a really long time, the excitement built again. She had spent her whole life longing for a child. She'd spent her whole life feeling sad and sorry for her husband because she couldn't have provided for him what he always wanted. She was sad and she, she was upset and she was frustrated by it. And then God came and he spoke. And every single month she would have this excitement of, could this be the month? Is this the start of me experiencing what all my friends had talked about? And every single month came. And as, as the months turned into years, her excitement was replaced with frustration. Her excitement was replaced with being annoyed and being upset by the situation. So she decided to do what I sometimes think we're all guilty of doing. She decided to take matters into her own hands. And we read about that in Genesis 16, verse 1 to 5. This is what it says. Now, Sari, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what she said. So after Abram had lived in Canaan 10 years, his wife took his Egyptian servant, slave Hagar and gave him to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she 
she, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. I think sometimes when we're in a season of waiting and we have been waiting for a long time, we can all be guilty of taking, um, taking matters into our own hands and thinking that we know best and trying to do what we can to make it happen faster. And what happened here is Sarah and Abraham made a permanent decision in a temporary situation. Their weight was temporary and how she was feeling was temporary. We know what our emotions can be like. One morning we can wake up feeling fine and then that night we can go to bed frustrated and angry. And then the next day we can wake up feeling fine again. The wait, the season that she was in was temporary. Our feelings and our emotions are temporary. And church, we need to be so careful of the decisions that we are making when we're feeling those things. We need to be so careful that we are not making permanent decisions when we're in a temporary situation. Sarah, Sarah became miserable because of the decision that she made. You see, church, how you feel right now about your season that you are in, you might be um, full of hope and excited. You might be angry or upset. How you feel about your season that you are in right now will decide what you do will ultimately, how you feel will affect what you do. And what you do will either fuel your frustration and pull you away from God, or it will feed your faith and push you towards God. Abraham and Sarah made a permanent decision in a temporary situation, which made her miserable. The, the slave fled. God had to go search for her. They made a, she took matters into our, her own hands because she'd waited for so long and she was so frustrated frustrated. Church, we need to be careful that when we're in our season of waiting, when we're waiting for the promise to be filled, when we're waiting for the prayer to answer, when we're waiting for the healing, when we're waiting for God to come through, we need to be careful that we don't take matters into our own hands and make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. The season you are in now is temporary. How you feel right now is temporary. Be careful the decisions you make. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How you feel, the season you are in right now, I know it is hard, but it is temporary. It is temporary and things will change and things will get better. We just need to be careful of the decisions that we make in these situations. The second person I want to talk about who uh, found themselves in a season of waiting is another lady in the Old Testament, and her name is Hannah. And you can read all about Hannah in 1 Samuel. And Hannah was the wife of, I just asked to ask Dan Hoyle how to say this, Elkanah? El Elkanah. Hannah Elkanah. Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> so Hannah was the wife of that guy and he had two wives and here's the thing I don't know how to say the other wife's name Pen Peninnah 
David Foster, ask David Foster, he's good with names. Anyway, um, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and this other lady. The other lady was blessed with lots of children. And then Hannah, when we read about her story in the book of Samuel, it says that her womb was closed and that she was barren. And um, Hannah, we, we learn a lot about her life and what she went through. And in 1 Samuel 1 verse 5, it says this, but to Hannah, he gave, this is her husband, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, the rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. In the Old Testament, if you were barren and unable to have a child, it was kind of classed as a, a bit of a social embarrassment. And uh, it doesn't exactly say in the book of Samuel how long Hannah waited to have a child, but studies say that she waited around 19 years. So for 19 years, she had to carry the shame and the embarrassment of not being able to have a child. And not only that, the other wife bullied her and taunted her. She sowed seeds in her mind. She made comments. She judges, judged her for 19 years, Hannah had to go through this. And in verse 10, it talks about how she had great anguish. And I think that that really sums up probably her, her mental and her emotional state of how she was feeling. And then she gets to this point where she prays a prayer. And I think at some points, church, we've probably prayed a prayer like this. She was so at the end of herself. She was exhausted she was broken. She was hurting. She was so frustrated. She was so angry. She, she didn't know where to go. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to turn to. She had lived a life constantly being taunted, enduring these horrible comments, and then having people look at her because she hasn't been able to provide for her husband what everybody says that she should be able to provide. She hasn't been able to give to her husband what she wanted. To, she didn't get to have her baby, and she endured this for 19 years. And she got to this point where she was just done. She had no words left. She didn't know where to go, what to do. She was completely at the end of herself. And she prays this prayer and people around her say she must be drunk because of how she is praying. And this is her response in um, 1, Samuel verse, 1 Samuel 1 verse 15. This is what it says. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Hannah was completely broken. She, she had had enough. She completely to the end of herself that she poured her heart out to God. She poured her soul out to him from this place of anguish and grief that she was experiencing. Here's the thing, church. God is big enough to deal with your grief. He is big enough to deal with your frustrations and your hurt and your annoyances. And he is desperate for you to pour your soul out to him. He is desperate to hear how you are feeling, what you are going through, the things that you are struggling. If you are in a season of waiting right now and you are frustrated and annoyed and you're asking God, where are you? What are you doing? And why am I still here? It's time to pour our soul out to God. 
Instead of doing what Abraham and Sarah did and making that crazy permanent decision, let's get on our hands and knees and pour our soul out to God. He wants to hear what you are going through. And I really felt this morning when I was up at 5 a.m. going through this, I really felt this morning that there's people in here and God wants you to know that you can trust him with your vulnerability. Some people in here have shared their hearts with other people and they have laughed at you. They've dismissed it. They've told you to get over it. They've told you to come on, just, you know, just keep going, be positive. And they have dismissed how you feel. There's people in here who have shared their heart with people and they have abused that or taken it for granted and not looked after it. God wants you to know that you can trust him with your vulnerability. He wants, you to, he wants you to trust him with how you are feeling. And when we pour our heart out to him and we trust him with how we're feeling like Hannah did, God will pour his love out on you because he is our refuge. He is our fortress. He, he loves us. He wants to give us his peace. He wants to provide for us. But we need to pour our heart out to him. Hannah was in a season of waiting for 19 years. She endured so much and she got to a point where she poured her heart out. Church, it's time for some of us to pour our heart out to God because he cares for you and he wants to know what you are going through. The third person that we're going to look at, another person in the Old Testament, um, is Joseph. So you can read about Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 to 50 and um, I'm sure at some point we all know the story of Joseph. This is the story of a man who I feel like couldn't catch a break. It was just one thing after another. Joseph was the favorite child. He had the coat, which everybody hated. And he then had these two dreams where he saw himself in a powerful position and his brothers were bowing down to him. Um, this made his brothers really mad that they plotted to murder him. Instead, they decided to throw him in a pit and sold him as a slave. Joseph Joseph finds himself in Egypt in a completely different culture to his own where he was a slave. While he was in Potiphar's house, um, Potiphar's wife takes an interest in him and makes advances on him. And Joseph said no. And the Bible says that he ran away. He fleed from the scene. But, but Potiphar's wife's ego was bruised and she felt bitter. So she went to Potiphar, her husband, and said that Joseph had tried to rape her. This meant that Joseph ended up in prison. Have you ever had a dream or a vision or God has spoken to you, but where you are right now couldn't seem any further away from where God had spoken? This is exactly where Joseph was. God had spoken to Joseph and said, you are going to find yourself in a powerful position where your brothers will bow down for you. But right now he sat on a cold, empty prison floor wondering how have I found myself here? How have I got myself in this situation? For two years, he was in prison. And then finally, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And this is what it says in Genesis 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph found himself finally there. Second command to Pharaoh. He found himself, if you know the rest of the story, his brothers need his help. They come to him, they bow down to him. Finally, what God spoke 
broken happened. And here's the thing, in every season and in every place that Joseph found himself, it was preparing him for the next place that he found himself. Joseph was a Hebrew and the Egyptian culture was completely different. But where did he learn about the Egyptian culture? In Potiphar's house where he was his slave. Where did he learn about administration and organization and all of these things that helped him when it came to the famine in Potiphar's house? Where did he have uninterrupted time with no distractions to have that incredible relationship with God while he was in prison? Every place that he found himself in prepared him for where he was going next. Church, I think sometimes we're so fast to push ourselves through the season that we're in when the truth is is we need this season as much as the next. God wants to do something in you right now where you are. It feels horrible. It feels hard. You feel annoyed. You're upset. But actually, God wants to do something in you while you are waiting. Instead of trying to speed it up to get it over and done with, instead of trying trying to hurry things along because you're impatient. Why don't we stop and say, God, what is it that you want to do in me? What is it that you want to happen in me? What can I do right now? Church, waiting is so hard. Hannah waited for 19 years, Abraham for 25 years, and my prayer is none of us will ever be in a season where we are waiting for that long. But waiting is so difficult. And while we wait, we're going to go through so many different emotions. We're going to be excited, holding on to the promise, believing that God is good. And then, and then when it doesn't happen, frustration will build. But here's the thing. God is not absent in our waiting. God has not left you. He's not left you to suffer in this on your own. The thing is, is, is God is good. And he has good and pleasing plans for you. And there are things happening that we will never understand. I like to think that when I get to heaven, that God is going to give me this book. And when I open up this book, everything's going to make sense. All of those times I found myself in a season of waiting. All those times when I was frustrated because I didn't know where God was. And as I open up this book, it, it all makes sense. I see the battles that God was fighting for me in the heavenly realms, which I couldn't see. I see the times when I needed rest. I see the times when other people weren't ready or other situations weren't ready. And then I see how God's beautiful plan for my life comes together. Waiting is so hard, but God has not left you. God is still working. God has got good things in plan for you. God has not left you to deal with this all on, on your own. Church, the band are going to come to the stage and let's all, let's all stand together. If you find yourself in a season of waiting, a season where, where you've, God's spoken to you and he's given you a dream um, and he has come and he's spoken to you so clearly and it feels like nothing is happening Let's remember Abraham and Sarah. Let's not take matters into our own hands and make a permanent decision. Let's remember Hannah and how she cried out and she poured her soul out to God. And remember that we can trust him with how we feel. He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to dismiss you or throw it off. And thirdly, let's remember Joseph. And in every season that you find yourself, it is preparing us for the next season that we are stepping into.
Church, waiting is so hard. And how you feel about your weight will decide what you do. And what you do will either fuel you in your frustration or it'll feed your faith and push you closer to God. We need to make sure that we are making our weight purposeful and not purposeless. We need to ask God, what is it that you are doing in me? And church, I encourage you, if you are in a season of waiting, we are in good company. There are people in here who are waiting. I've got stories of how I had to wait. There are things that I am still waiting for. The Bible is filled with people who waited for years and years and years. But here's the thing. God hadn't forgotten them, and he hasn't forgotten you. Those dreams he gave you years ago, he's still working on them. Those prayers that you prayed, he's still got them. Those things that you're believing for, keep believing for them. Just in worship before, it's just um, two things I am... felt God lay on my heart to some people in here. First off is there's somebody in here or a few people who are living their life in in chronic pain and they have got to a point now where they just live with the pain because nothing's ever changed and this is just the way God wants me to be. And so actually you've you've stopped believing for the healing. You've stopped praying for the healing because this is just me. This is just the way I am now. God has not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. Keep believing, keep praying, keep waiting, and keep believing that God will come through. And then there's people in here who who have believed for many years for their spouse to be stood next to them in church. They have prayed so many prayers. They've invited them to so many events, but yet you're still here on your own. God has not forgotten the prayers that you have prayed. This season feels long. The wait feels impossible, but God has not left you. He is with you. He is doing things that we can't see. Years and years and years ago, Pastor Stuart here came and preached, and I was in youth. And I remember this preach still to this very day, and it was called But While. And he said to us, why we're here on earth, but while we're here on earth, there is so much going on that we can't see. And I have held on to that. And there's so many times in my life when things don't make sense, and I am asking God where he is, but while we're here, there is so much going on that we can't see. God is working things together for the good. He is fighting battles on your behalf that you have no idea about. He is working things out. He's preparing other people. He has got his plans sorted. Don't forget the prayers that you prayed. Don't forget the dreams that God has given you. He has not forgotten you. And I really feel like today God is going to remind some people of the dreams that he placed in your heart many years ago. Dreams that felt impossible because because you got a mortgage and you ended up having children and it just went distant and distant and distant. God is going to remind you of the dreams that you had. Waiting is so hard, but let's choose to wait well and let's choose to press into God and fuel our faith instead of fueling our frustration. We're going to worship and I'm not going to do a huge response, but this is your opportunity, just this last song. What do you need to do? 
Do you need to cry out to God and tell him how you feel and be vulnerable before him? Do you need to remind yourself of the prayers that you've prayed? Do you need to, with that dream that you have in your mind, write it down on a piece of paper and make it plain? What is it that you need to do now in response to this? Before we leave this place, before we get lunch, before we go about everything that we need to do, church waiting is hard, but you are not on your own. So let's worship together. Let's cry out to God. And I believe that as we worship, God is going to be reminding people of prayers that you prayed and dreams that you have dreamed over the years. And remember that he has not forgotten you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.